You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. There's noise all around us, isn't there, normally? Someone said that about 2 million or so people at any given time are subjected to noise levels that are unhealthy based on the Environmental Protection Agency. We live our lives full of noise many times. Do you have a television? Do you have a lot of televisions in your house? Do you have one for each room? Do you have a cell phone? Probably be easier to say, who does not have a cell phone to raise your hand? And you get probably one or two, but if I said everyone, if you have one, every hand would probably go up. What is it about noise that we need? Sometimes, in fact, in our world today, more often. Some people have noise to go to sleep by. Can't go to sleep unless they have some kind of noise going on. Again, a television, a fan, or something. Maybe you're like that. We can't handle that quiet time for some reason. And we fill our schedules with all kinds of things that take up the time, and a lot of those things are filled with noise and it's not only the the noise of the sounds but it's also the noise in things we see how many of you would like to see more billboards around yeah some places are all over signs flashing buying for our attention Well, today, I want to look at this whole idea of being silent. And for some, it is really uncomfortable. Sometimes the loudest loudest sound is silence. You you know, if you go in and you just, no noise. Oh, no, somebody's got to say something. Well, today, I want us to be challenged to shut out the noise and listen. We've been talking about prayer. And it's in prayer we need to listen. It's not always going, saying things to God. It's listening. It's paying attention to what God has to say with, uh, with, to us. Because it's a relationship and it's a conversation. And many times we're quick to go and say, I need this, I want this, I want this, please do this, please do this. And then we don't listen to what he may have to say for, to us. Sorian Gurkhakard, um, a philosopher, said this, interesting enough. A man prayed, and at first he thought prayer was talking, and many people think that. But he became more and more quiet until, in the end, he realized that prayer is listening. Listening. And we know this familiar verse from Psalm 46 and verse 10. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. How many of you people have a hard time being still? I do. Especially those of us can be a little hyper, little ADD, little, I got to do this, got to do this. 
But there's a reason for that. And so there is a cry from the Word of God, and as we're thinking about prayer, to have this period of silence. Let's do it for a couple seconds or minutes. Let's be silent. I want to encourage you for the next 60 seconds or whatever, and just listen. Don't say anything to God as far as a request, but just listen. As you're listening, listen to your breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Notice that sound. is awesome. It's a little hard, isn't it? As soon as the noise shuts down, you, you, you want to hear something or you, you just, well, I've got to say something or some kind of thing. I want to focus on some kind of noise. But we're told as a part of our prayer life that we are to have times of silence, listening to God in prayer. Sometimes it's hard. Because when we pray, the first thing we want to do is say something. And that's okay. I mean, that's taught too, for sure. Absolutely. But there are those times we just got to stop and try to listen to what God may be saying to us. A great example of this is a very familiar verse. If you want to turn your Bibles there, I don't have the whole verse up there. Pretty lengthy in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is where Elijah had his moment of challenge to listen to God. Prior to this verse, of course, if you're familiar, this is when Elijah had that great high point in his life, and a lot of noise and a lot of commotion crying out to God, trying to challenge the God of Baal and the God, the one and only true God. And all these people were, were going through this commotion, the various believers on each side, until finally God showed up and consumed that sacrifice that was put out before God for Elijah. But then after that, it became known to Elijah. He went, he went and went into a quick funk. He went down into a low point in his life. It's weird, isn't it? Maybe he was a little ADD. I don't know, because he was high one minute, and the next minute, he's down low. Because he found out that Jezebel was going to seek to kill him. Now, I don't understand it. That's not my thing to understand how a guy can have this awesome experience with with God and then quickly be afraid and running for his life and he became so down and so depressed as we see in verse 4 of chapter 19 first kings that he prayed that he might die he says enough I did this great thing People are still not paying attention or whatever. It seemed like all I did was for naught. And now they're 
trying to come after me and kill me. God, just kill me. Just let me die. He became very despondent and just, that was it. Well, God wasn't finished with him yet, and he had to teach him a lesson. It has to do with this idea of silence and listening. He made about a 200-plus mile run from Mount Carmel, where all that took place, to go down to Mount Horeb. And by the way, Horeb is also, if you look in your Bible, it's the same mountain that's talked about in Exodus where Moses was given the commandments. Mount Sinai. Same, same basic. If you go look at, um, you go there and look there, and then in that mountain is the place, if you look at Exodus chapter 33, you will see it's the place where Moses wanted to see God. And God gave him a glimpse of him, not the full picture, because we know if you see saw God full force, he would die because of that, that separation due to sin, and it couldn't be done. But he gave, allowed him to see his backside. Well, it is said that this is the very place that Elijah now finds himself, as we read further on, and going to verse 11, when he gets to this place, and then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks to pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. But after that, he was in a still, small voice. You see, God wasn't in all those powerful type of things, those noted loud things, the fire, the wind, the earthquake, but he was in this small voice. You see, God was, I believe, teaching him a lesson. That it's not always in the commotion. Because we look in Scripture, there are times where God was in the fire, when Moses, the burning bush, there was the wind, there was earthquake, there was all kinds of things where God showed up. But God also wanted him and wants us to see that there's an even more significant place to find God. And it's in that still, small voice. And so in this time, he was being set being placed in a situation to listen, to listen to God and what God was going to say to him. And he told him and he shared with him, come on, man. Of course, he didn't use those words, but he said, hey, there's all these people that have not yet bowed down to Baal. And he listed off some people as we read further that he said, Elijah, go talk to these people. Go talk to this person. And some of these people that he was saying, go anoint, weren't even believers at that time. If you go deeper in the description to see who these people are, they list in these following verses. You see, Elijah was very zealous for God. As we see in verse 14, and then at the end of the verse, he said, now I'm alone, I'm the only one that's left. Woe is me. Poor, pitiful Elijah. But God set him straight. But even more, more, more meaningful, it was, Elijah, just listen to me a minute. And listen to me in the quiet moment of the time. Well, 
there's a lot of things in Scripture that talk about silence and talks about prayer and silence and, and this idea of what this is all about. There's one very important word in Scripture that talks about listening and not just listening, but also obeying. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What this is, is it's a command to listen. It's referred to in the Jewish faith as the Shema, which is, carries with it the two words, listen and obey. Now that obey part is what we struggle with sometimes, isn't it? When you tell your children, Listen to me. It's not that you're just trying to teach them to hear you audibly say something. It's you listen to me with the intention of do what I'm telling you to do. And God does that with us. Listen to me and do what I am teaching you to do. You see, this scripture was the scripture that the Jews would often tie in these little boxes on their head and wrap these cords around them called phylacteries to, to keep that verse as close to their head and their thought as possible. And Jesus used this verse later on to expound upon it when he was talking about what was the greatest command and this is the greatest command and then he said the second is similar to it and love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that? You see, this was a key verse because it included the whole idea of being obedient to the sense of listening and obeying. Not just, oh yeah, okay, I know that. Rather than following through with obedience. Psalm 81, verses 8-13 through 13, talk about this. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me, just listen to me, but my people would not heed my voice. That word heed covers it, really talks about this idea of listening and obeying. It goes back to the idea, you know, I'm telling you something, daughter, son, and then heed it. That means follow through with what I'm sharing with you or talking to you about. They did not hear, heed, heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. I like that verse because it's talking about I don't want to pay attention to you. I don't maybe not even have that relationship with you. And verse 12 says, So I gave them over to their stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. That covers it all. You listen and then you walk. How many of us in our prayer lives, when we pray, we go with the purpose, with the intent of saying, God, I love you, I, I have this need and all this, but I also want to listen to you. I also want to see what you have for me and give me that word. You know, a lot of times we go to God in prayer with a bunch of, a, a, a whole long list of do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, and that, that's okay. But sometimes we do it to the exclusion of, okay now God, listen, help me listen. Help me be o o obedient. Help me not only to read this word, but to understand what it says. How many of us in our prayer life, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but you take the word of God alongside with you while you're praying and say, God, I'm reading this verse. Help me to understand. Help me to not only understand it, but to put it in my life and make it a part of my life. 
See, all of this is relationship building with God and allowing that relationship to affect our lives. It just makes perfect sense. But some of us go more into just, hey, God, I have this need, I have that, and so on and so forth. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 9 and 10 says, Then Moses and the, prof, or the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen. O Israel, this day you have become a people of the Lord your God. Therefore, therefore, usually therefore says because of the first thing that's said, there's a connection with the next thing that is said with the word therefore. You shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, and you shall observe his commandments, his statutes, which I command you. Notice the first thing he says, hey, take heed, listen. And then he, he, he sets out to say who they are. They have this relationship. They're the people of God, and we as Christians are the people of God. And if we're the people of God, therefore, we need to listen, obey, and observe what he's teaching us. Not out of just need or have to or we should, but because we want to. Because of that relationship we have with him, we want to follow him. A lot of kids don't want to follow their parents, at least when they're young. But over time, how many times have you reflected back and you said, man, I, you know, what mom, dad said, they're right. Yeah, they're right. I didn't like it when I heard it, but they're right. And the reason why was because they matured and had grown and seen the connection between what they were trying to teach them and how it benefited their life and then enhanced that relationship between mom, dad, and child as we are with God. And so listening for the voice of God is so crucial in everyday things that go on in our life. Even in our prayer life, do we stop and say, okay, I'm praying to you, God, I'm asking, I'm asking this of you, God, I'm going through this problem, I have this issue or that issue or someone else I know, and then, okay, now I want to listen. I want to be aware of what you might say to me. I want to be aware of what you might have. You see, this was a part of the life of Jesus. He did this. You know, when we're looking and talking about discipleship, as we're going to be doing for the next year or so, in these special areas, and prayer being one of them, is you notice that Jesus did a lot of time walking off into a quiet place, away from the commotion, away from the noise, so that he could focus on that time with him and God. If it was important enough and necessary enough for him, is it not that for us as well? It is, but sometimes we, eh, it's hard. It's hard to be quiet. I like some of that noise, at least the noise I like. Again, look in Luke 5, 16, and we see that that's talked about. And so praying is also taught in Scripture to pray without ceasing. Well, what's that mean, to pray without ceasing? Does that mean we're constantly saying stuff to God? No, there's that listening. There's that listening. I look at it this way. It's listening for God, because you kind of listen for Him. You listen to God, and then you do what He says. It's that simple. It's a constant thing. When you hear those words, pray without ceasing, that's, it's a constant flow. It's a constant rhythm within our lives. Even in our busyness, even in the noise of our heavy schedules and the things we're about, we constantly have that. We're, our minds and our hearts are trained to be in tune with God's leading as we live our lives. The, time, the sad thing is we often want to compartmentalize that. And we say, okay, that's my 
faith life and over here is my other life that I want to do and enjoy or whatever that's important to me. You see, there is a distinct, clear correlation between listening and praying to God and obeying and doing what he says. That's clear. I see it's very clear in Scripture. Well, real quickly, one of the areas that you see this very well demonstrated in the teachings of Jesus is when he taught what he taught in John chapter 10. The words will be on the, on the board behind or on the screen. And I want you to listen carefully, look carefully to these words. We're familiar with these words, probably in some way. But notice what it says, beginning in verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now he's talking about this, he's using this metaphor, this analogy of the sheep and the shepherd and applying it to him as being the chief shepherd. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep and by name and leads them out. And then he brings them here, brings out his own sheep. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's important. They're aware of his voice. And the only way you can become aware of a person's voice is to have relationship and know them. Okay? And so yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. How many of you have known somebody for a while and you haven't seen them and then they come into your presence and maybe not real close but you hear their voice and you say that must be George, Sue, whoever I would know that voice anywhere have you ever been in that situation? I've never heard them in a long time but I recognize that voice and that's what we see here Jesus is trying to teach just like the sheep know the voice of the shepherd so we should know the voice of Jesus. It's really neatly illustrated. I read this story in a book called They Smell Like Sheep, written by a guy named Lynn Anderson, and he talks about a guy he knew fairly recently who went to Palestine, and he said he went up to a, a little ridge and that overlooked a gorge. And in that gorge were a couple of about three shepherds and their sheep were all following behind them. And this little path in the gorge led to a grassy field. And when you got to the end of the the gorge and you see the different little paths leading out into the grassy field. And so these, these shepherds were talking amongst themselves and then they parted way. And as each of the shepherd went one way, one way, kind of like three, three prongs and a fork, the sheep followed. And then they got down the road about maybe 200 yards or so. And they looked back and they noticed each of them, they had some straggler sheep. And each one made a distinct noise. Hoot, hoot, hoot. Noise. And it was interesting, he said, that each of those sheep went right to their appropriate shepherd. Isn't that awesome? It's a beautiful picture. Over time, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And so what Jesus was doing, he was taking an, an example from real life things in their time and made the application 
that if we really are people of God, if we're really people of Jesus, we'll recognize His voice when He speaks. And so He goes on in the same chapter, verses 24 through 27. Then the Jews surrounded Him and said to Him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Please, tell us that you're the Christ. And Jesus answered them, I told you. And you did not believe. You didn't believe. Why didn't they believe? Well, it doesn't say, but it's possible because they weren't connected in that relationship and understanding. And so then he goes on, the works that I do are of my fa- in my Father's name. They bear witness to me. What he's talking about there is he's starting to make application between him and the Word, the Word of God. And at this time, it was the Old Testament Word, all those verses that point to him. Verse 26, But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And then they follow me. Here's the question. Here's a bigger question. As you're listening to God in prayer, how well do you know him? How well do you know him? Have you made that a supreme desire within your heart to know, to know God, to know Jesus, to know who he is and what he's all about? To know. One of my favorite verses is in John 17, 3. And it says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. This is heaven. Heaven is to know. To know. To know God. To know Jesus. That's what eternal life really is. Is having, again, that relationship. I say it a lot because I so much believe in it and we miss it sometimes. We, even though we go to God and we talk to God and we, and we worship God, there's still this, I don't know God too much. But you can know him. And one of the best places to do so is from the scripture. Is the word that reveals. And then through that and praying and helping us to understand that. Notice what it says in John 14. This is really neat. I could go off on a whole message in this, but I won't. But John 14, verses 15 and following. Starting in verse 17. It said, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I, dwell not, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now this is Jesus speaking to his followers. And then you skip down to 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things. And I love these words, and bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit, as someone has put it, is Jesus continued. Think about that. You ever see a movie and it says to be continued or a show to be continued? Well, Jesus, well, this Holy Spirit is Jesus continued. And Jesus is telling his followers here, and we today are beneficiaries of the Holy Spirit helping us to hear him, helping us to understand him, helping us to know what he wants of us as we read this word, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, to help us where to go and how to follow. 
I know which direction. The question is, are we listening? And the closer we get to God, the more aware we become of Him and His presence. And here's an area where it really, really works, but it's often very, very difficult. Do we listen to God when it comes down to fighting sin or living a life that we're wanting to put sin out of? How many of us have been in situations where we, we may have a bad attitude, we may some, say some things we shouldn't say about other people, we're maybe going to get into some really difficult, sinful situation, whatever that might be, and you say, wait a minute, I know the Word, the Spirit's in me, and He's telling me, ah, no. You see, we go to God... And ask Him when we want to know where our lives are going. When we're trying to find out direction. You guys have probably prayed that. God, what are you, supposed, what are you going to do with my life? Where are you going to take me? Where are you going to lead me? Which direction? I need to know what tomorrow. What should I do, God? And we're all looking for those answers as how God will work our lives out in the bigger picture. But what about the small stuff? What about the little things? The things that we don't really want to do, but God says through the Spirit, eh, listen. Example of this, I have a good friend of mine back in Tennessee who shared a story, and it really, really was, to me it was awesome, just because of knowing him, but that's another thing. But he shared a story. He, um, he had a, one of these big campers, and something went out, and he had to go to a special mechanic to have it worked on. And while it was being done, this mechanic person let it know, let him know not not for any reason other than just to let him know what he was from he was struggling with finances his business wasn't doing real well so they went to pick up their camper van thing and and they drove off and and as they were driving away it was it was getting in his heart and getting in his spirit if you will i need to go back and give him some money to help him you see, this is a guy who I know who really struggles with that. He was struggling with this idea of maybe being generous in this situation. But he felt, I interpreted it as such, he didn't use that terminology. I told him that's what the Spirit does. He pulls on our hearts to do those things that we don't really want to do because of even simple things like our own selfishness. And so he was obedient to that prompting, as we call it, and turned around and went back and gave him some money. But I know him, and this was a difficult thing for him to do. Think about our lives. What are some things that are difficult for us to do or be about in a way to be obedient? And we don't follow through because that's not, un that's not comfortable for us, but we get that prompting. We get that, we read the word, and we become obedient, and we're supposed to become obedient. But we avoid it versus, okay. I'm following through. I feel you're, you're leading me here. By the word, by my connection with you, God, by knowing you. How many do that? How many catch ourselves in the moment? Say, no, I, I don't. One of the things I'm dealing with in my life, nothing, well, it can be big. Anytime we don't do right with God, it's a big deal. I'm trying to be more gracious when I drive my car amongst the other drivers in the community. Make sense? 
And believe me, as soon as you make that declaration or make that commitment, you're going to be tested. I was yesterday. I asked Laura when we went out, did some things. But have you ever prayed that prayer? We're praying about healing. We're praying about someone who's sick or, or some kind of tragic thing. And those are okay. But where are the prayers that say, God, help me to hear you. And then, God, please guide me in what I'm supposed to do, even in things I'm very uncomfortable with. I don't like. I don't like doing that. I don't want to have to go talk to somebody. I don't want to have to give up this thing that may be good in and of itself, but it's something that's getting in the way of the relationship with you and me. If we open this book and look at, let's look and read the difficult verses as well. The verses that challenge us to really get out of our comfort zones and be in line with what God wants and not fight His leading through the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we have. We have the Word inspired again but it's the Spirit working in us to work these things out and better understand. Notice what it says in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. Notice that. We do not know what we should pray or how we ought to pray. For the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's, there's a language that the Spirit helps us in our communication with God. He, we may have something going on in our heart, but God really hears something that we may not even be aware of ourselves. And He searches the heart and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, it's the Spirit that gets into our heads that helps us to understand how to pray, how to listen, and all these things. There's a movie that I really like. I don't know if you ever heard it called Inception. Has anybody heard of the movie Inception? It starts uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Whether you like him or not, that's, yeah. I like that movie because it's, it's fiction, granted, but it's based on this idea throughout the movie, and I'll give you all the details, about being able to plant an idea into someone's mind while they're sleeping. And he makes this comment, there's a line in the movie that I agree with, one of the most contagious things, one of the most contagious things beyond any kind of disease that you can think of today is an idea. If you can plant an idea in your head, if someone can do that, or you get that idea, it often sticks and develops. And I believe, at least in part, through our reading of Scripture, through our prayer life, ideas and thoughts are put in our minds that are meant to be developed and that we are to run with. But again, are we listening? Or are we doing a lot of the talking? Are we having the conversation? And so in Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, their minds, on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, real bluntly put, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace.
Are we more spiritually minded? Are we more listening in silence? Are we more minds of the flesh where it can be often very noisy, very loud, listen to negative stuff, turn on the news, regardless what news channel, whether it be Fox, whether it be MSNBC, whether it be ever, we're being, we're being pounded with information and noise that gets our gander up, that gets us all frustrated inside. Have you ever thought about just, I'm turning it off. And, and, and then if you're one that really likes news, I mean, I, I, I got I to figure out, I, I need to see what's going on. No. Last, yesterday morning, I, again, I'm struggling with it too. Yesterday morning, Laura and I got up Saturday morning, you know, can get up a little late, had breakfast. The box was not touched. And we had conversation with each other. We talked. And the same thing is with God. Listening to him. Meditate, contemplate, and then respond to it. And then I love finally this last little saying from a guy named Ralph Sockman. Never heard of him, looked him up, found out he was a, a pastor in the Methodist church long ago. Not real long, but in the past maybe 50 years or so. And I love this. Look at it. Prayer is to expose the shores of the mind to the incoming waves of God. Isn't that neat? It's opening up your mind to allow God to come in and to listen truly to him. And so I hope as we've been talking about prayer, as we've been talking about these things, that we will be further challenged to listen. And if you're in one of those small groups, if you haven't talked about that, you'll be talking about that. And it's really a neat part of prayer. It really is. And so I want to do this. If the band members can tippy-toe back behind me, so to speak, let's be silent. And then I will close us with a prayer. And then the message is yours. Let's be silent. Let's be silent. Father God, we speak to you, but we want to listen to you. And we thank you for being able to listen. May we listen more. And may we be more silent. Direct us, God. May we know you more. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.